0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Extraordinary Family Life podcast. We are your hosts, Greg and Rachel Denning.
1: Coming to you from the sixth of October, <laughs> city in Egypt. Egypt. I was going to say Cairo, but it's not entirely. No,
0: and we just got back from the desert. It was awesome. We went, the and stayed Sahara. the night in the Sahara, on the sand dunes, and man, it was it was really special. It was fantastic. Had a great experience. And and we were talking about this, so this, this is actually fitting because we're answering a question today, but we were talking about this while we were out in the desert because when you go to a place like that, that it's so unique, went into this some national park. I think it's area. called El Rayan.
1: Wadi.
2: Something. Rayan. And
0: it's a national park desert. And, man, it's just so different from most of what we know on this planet, even. When you go to places like that, it has this um, expanding effect. Mm-hmm. Like when I took uh, Kimball to and we circled Iceland, there were so many places in Iceland that seemed otherworldly. Like it was hard to, to to grasp. Like this is on the same planet mm-hmm. as like when we lived in Costa Rica, like this rainforest and jungles and beaches, and like wow, man, so amazing. Or you know the Rocky Mountains. But then then to go experience something like these. These volcano lava fields, like s- as far as you can see in any direction, just, just absolutely barren,
2: mm-hmm. or in
0: this case, the, in the desert here, it was just sand, sand as far as you could see,
2: mm-hmm.
0: just flat. Sand. It was crazy, and and such a different environment. And what it does is it just it expands your reality, it exposes well, you to new things.
1: Right. The way that I have begun to think of it, and I remember. Feeling this happening to me in my brain when we began traveling in 2007 I mean you know this is 15 16 years ago but I remembered and and what I got was this image this visual of this map Say you have a map of existence or map of the world or whatever and your current reality is it's in color you know it's full color and it's detailed but surrounding it is essentially blackness. It's dark, you don't know what it is. And you don't realize that at the time. When you're living in your life, you think, oh, I've got a map of the world and it's full color and it's useful and helpful and you know, it's got everything I need. But then you start to travel and it was suddenly like this entire area of darkness was being, and I, I, I don't know why I picture it with like a watercolor, like this watercolor brush that's like filling it in and filling in the color that was not there. And now you have this new entire area that's filled in that was previously dark, and that's what I feel like happens. Like you, you go out into the world and you go and experience the world, and all of these places that were in darkness now are being colored in, and it's literally expanding your map of reality.
0: And it's colored in with sights and sounds and smells yeah. and experiences and tastes and
2: people right.
0: and places. Mm -hmm. And feelings where you go and you meet somebody really Mm -hmm. special or you sit down and have a meal that you didn't know existed and you smell things or see things. And they're not always, they're not always glamorous. They're not always beautiful or pleasant. (laughs) Some of them are very, very unpleasant. And that is educational. It's important. It's just as important, if not more so, to have the deeply unpleasant experiences as it is to have the exhilarating ones,
2: the blissful ones. Yeah.
0: And I think it's critically important that we are deliberate in expanding that. Otherwise, we remain in a small cage. And, yeah. and that's a reference to something our daughter told us when we were talking about this topic.
1: We were sitting, so let's paint the picture for a second. We, we stayed in these, it, it was called a glamp, right? It's glamorous camping and it was kind of a glamorous tent we've stayed in that had a bathroom in it. i mean you know it is luxury essentially but it is still kind of a tent in the desert and behind the tents were was a big sand dune and they had sandboarding there so we spent lots of time sandboarding the kids loved that and the sun was setting. It set behind the dunes, and then, of course, so the temperature is perfect because oh, it's it blazing hot in the day. And we—that was part of the misery of it—was being in the heat of the day. It was so hot we had to take a nap in our glamorous tents. <laughs> um, but now the per- the temperature is perfect, and we're sitting on top of the dunes,
0: watching the sunset. Watching the
1: sunset. And just talking about a sixty
0: degree view. Yeah.
1: Of the desert. Oh man. And just talking about life. I mean, it was fun to just have these conversations with our seventeen year old and our sixteen year old and our twelve year old is kinda of listening in, and then our six and nine year old are just running around playing. But as we're sitting there talking, this, that's when our daughter told us about a reel she saw on Instagram.
0: It was a it was a video she saw and I don't I don't know anything about this, but basically it was that there was a a snake that had the potential snake to be owner. very large. It was a pet snake. It had the potential to be huge.
1: Well, let, let but... me tell a story. Let me tell a story. The story is this woman had a pet snake, and she took it to the vet. Just, I don't know, to check in on it. And they said, oh, the snake's healthy, but why is it so small? And she's like, well, how big is this snake supposed to get? I don't know why it's small. And they're like, well, it's supposed to get this large, like significantly larger. And, and they, so basically they said, well, what size container do you have it in? And she told them the size of the container. And they're like, oh, well, that's why it's that small. It has no reason to grow bigger because it's already too big for its container. And so the point of the reel and the point our daughter was making was if you always stay in a small container, you're never going to reach your potential. Like you, you could grow larger, you could be bigger, but you won't do that if your container remains small.
0: And and the most dangerous part of this is you don't know when you're in a small container. Yes, exactly. It's not until you're exposed to bigger containers that you realize, oh, that was a small container. As long as you're in it, you're like, I'm good. This mm-hmm. is my world. Well, this is my and, reality. And you think, I get it.
1: And the, there's actually danger there too. Because when you are in a small container but you're big, we we also refer to this as being the big fish in a small fond, pond. When you're the big fish in a small pond, you think, I am dominating. I am. I am crushing life. Right? <laughs> but what you don't realize is that you're in a small pond. And if you go out into the big pond or go into the ocean, suddenly you realize, whoa. You're a little guppy. I'm a little teeny <laughs> fish. And a lot of us don't yes. do that because we hate that feeling. We don't want to be the small fish so in a big pond or in the ocean. Yeah. We want to be the big so fish in a small pond, except the problem with that is you limit your growth. Going back to the other metaphor, you can't get any bigger because you're in a small container.
0: So as we're... Hold on, I want to I want to expand on that a little bit cuz this applies across every aspect of your life. If you go out running and and you're the fastest one in your running group, it's not going to push you. If you go to the gym with some buddies and you're the strongest one and you you know, you work out with people that are about where you are or not as not as strong or stronger than you, if you uh, are reading books that just just right at where you know you're comfortable mm-hmm. reading that level instead of really getting into those more difficult books or you try to have intellectual conversations with people who
1: know less than you do you
0: know less than you do right and they aren't just absolutely brilliant if if you're not regularly you know physically mentally emotionally spiritually same spiritually you you, you go out and pursue spiritual things and it's just kind of the same you do the kind of same old thing with You know, people around your area and you have the same little conversations (laughs) and and there's nothing challenging. There's nothing like blowing your mind or nothing. Or
1: causing you to doubt. Right. Or causing (laughs) you to doubt
0: or making you struggle and strain to keep
1: up. To wrestle with God.
0: Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, you should be regularly exposing yourself and your children to people and places and experiences and books and ideas, podcasts that are beyond your current capabilities.
1: Beyond and your current comfort zone. It is
0: uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the point.
1: Well, and so essentially, along the topic of this podcast, that's what we're discussing. That's what we're emphasizing. Like when we're talking about how do you get a world class education yourself, how do you help your children get a world class education? that i would say is the framework we're operating from is that ultimately we're trying to help ourselves and our children grow larger than their current um containers grow larger than their current pond you know to become to to be willing to put themselves out there and be the small fish in a big pond so that they can keep growing because as long as we remain in our comfort zones in those smaller containers we're limiting our own potential. So our job as parents is to, and this is what we do on a regular basis, is think, okay, how can we expose ourselves and our children to bigger containers, to, to bigger ideas so that we are challenged, we're made uncomfortable so that we can grow, so that we can realize where our deficiencies are, where the gaps are in our, in our development, in our growth, our understanding, our education. Because really, the process of education—we were kind of were t- talking about it before—it's an ongoing process. It's never finished. We always say there's never a graduation from education. It is ongoing. There's always going to be gaps. There's always going to be things you don't know. And so the process of education is essentially identifying and filling in those gaps.
0: It, well, and exposing yourself to new things so you see the gaps. Right. Because so it's you know easy. What they are. It's easy to get thinking like, no, I. I'm, I can't see any gaps around here. That's yeah. because you're not exposing yourself to outside things. Right. So go out and get some exposure, and like, you'll come back with, like, okay, I'm mostly gaps.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, and that's how I'm almost
0: all gaps.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so true. And that's, that's why we love travel, because every single time we do it, we go out there, and I feel like, I know nothing about the world. Like I didn't even know that this entire group of people existed, and they have a whole history that I know nothing about. And that happens everywhere we go, you know, where you are just introduced to ideas, peoples, cultures, histories you know nothing of. And suddenly you feel like, yeah, i mostly gaps. I know nothing, right? But that's the point. Yeah. That really is the point. That when you can continually get out there and be exposed to things you didn't know anything about to realize, wow, I have so much to learn that's the process that's the state you want to be in right.
0: and and i'm going to like go to a kind of a spiritual perspective here if your desire is to be more godlike god knows everything and understands everything and as you as you want to rise and be your very best self you want to understand as much as you possibly can, you you could spend your entire life in one tiny little field of expertise to get all your doctorate level studies in that one thing, and you still wouldn't comprehend that one thing you spent your whole life doing it so there's there's more than we could ever learn, but you're attempting on a daily basis to learn more expose more see more even from understanding the the, the homeless community and and the drug problems and addiction problems to geography and astronomy and psychology. and I mean, all of it, the whole thing, mm-hmm. the I mean, history of, of mankind and then animals and plants and the world. You, you might want to study all of it, the biology and the chemistry, like Whatever fascinates you, chase those things. But we have to keep exposing ourselves both in breadth and in depth and then finding gaps and filling them in. And you'll go along sometimes and you get, you get learning things and you'll have these, I don't know, these little air moments of arrogance where you'll meet somebody and they're like, oh, I've never heard of that. And you're like, Phew. and then they say <laughs> something and you're like, oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Like, oh, okay. It, it, it reminds me of what Emerson said. He said, every single person, every man is my superior in some way. And uh, in that way, I can learn from that person, right? Every person. So they're going to know something you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And so... Every interaction, it, every time you go out, every, every time you go anywhere, if you're if you're cognizant, if you're alert, if you're aware, there's something to learn every single day, easily,
2: mm-hmm.
0: easily. And we're gonna walk through like this formula. I actually came up with a really great acronym, probably 15 years ago. I forgot it now, but I remember <laughs> some of the elements. It was really. I have, to, I have really to look great. it up. No, I did a full training for it. It's still in our courses. And I did. I went around. I was speaking at educational conferences, and I used this acronym. Because there's, there's these pieces that incorporate education. Our, our temptation is to think immediately when we think of getting a world-class education is think intellectual intelligence. like Academic. Academic, right? Yeah. So if, if you want to get a great education, it's academic. But there's way more than just academic education. We are 100% in favor of phenomenal academic education. It's, it's an important part of brain development. But we are grossly short-sighted, all of us, if we think that academic education is education,
1: and the basis of all education. Right, and so as we're addressing this problem of how to help our kids get a world-class education, and this, we're talking to a general audience, not just to homeschoolers, we're talking to all people. Um, One of the first things we have to do, one of the first things we did was actually to define exactly what that means because there there are a lot of different definitions and until you actually get clear about what your definition means of a world class education cuz our default is to think oh that means good grades and good schools and you know that can be the default thinking in that
0: but, Well, especially if you're like you want advanced education the, the immediate thought is right. okay master's degree then probably a doctorate degree right. i mean it, it just means more university is what the general thinking is yes. but Which it's it could so be that much it could more definitely
1: that. be that and for some people, it will be that. But I think... But even that, it,
0: if, if you only did that, if you only went through and like, okay, I have a doctorate, I have two doctorates and a master's degree, that's still only in one section. That's only one aspect. So it, according to my definition, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be world class. Yes. Because world class has to be more comprehensive.
1: And unfortunately, it, from our perspective, too many people end up getting those higher degrees, but are underdeveloped in many critical areas. That's why educated. Yeah. That's why they can be highly educated in this one area or, you know, this this area of study and yet still have terrible relationships or poor mental health or poor physical health. Like there's still a lot of underdevelopment that they have because of the focus on the academics of this of education, right? And so for us, the definition was not purely academic. It includes academic, but for us, the, the full greatness of world-class, edu- world-class education is holistic. It includes kind of all the things you are already well, talking about. Let's, Mental, let's emotional, spiritual, physical, let, social. I want to
0: refer to them as, as an intelligence, as an education. So there is a social intelligence or a social education. Mm-hmm. There's an emotional intelligence or education. There's a spiritual intelligence or education there's financial of course education there's there's physical as in as in your health so there's literal health intelligence health education and, it, and across and then relationships of course mm-hmm. like you mentioned there's relationship education and it's so important to realize that we we've even been um i've even been mocked or ridiculed by people with with advanced degrees they're like i can't even listen to you that nothing you say can be validated because you don't even have a doctorate right <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> that's, as if that's the only education there Measure is. Measure of success. Right, or anything. It, but we, in order to be world-class, it has to be pretty comprehensive,
2: mm-hmm. I
0: mean, as much as possible. You've you got to be working on all of those levels of education and understanding. You've got to understand yourself. You've got to understand the sexes. You got to understand humanity. You got to understand relationships, and psych- your mental psychology. and emotional health. Yes. Helping. Oh my goodness, that was huge, and it's always been relevant, but it's particularly relevant right now because of well, tons of things, including social media and the internet and, and use of time, all that stuff. But even productivity education. Some people can be super intelligent and completely unable to get anything done
2: mm-hmm.
0: because they don't have. Education and intelligence in productivity. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all of these things from almost every aspect of life.
1: Right. Now, of course, people are going to be saying, well, you can't study everything. You can't learn everything there is to know about everything. And that's true. You can't. And ultimately, you do need to be guided by your own passions and interests because that will emphasize your educational journey. Um, but the reality is, if more of us spent more time mastering at least, I would say, 80% of the basics in all of these areas, our lives would be significantly better. Huge. If you could get 80% of the basics of relationships, like understanding how they work and how to make them healthy and strong, that would change your life. Same with finances, same with mental health, same with physical health, same with um did I miss you know
0: spirituality and finances the cool thing is they all have crossover too yes so as I dive deep and I'm trying to understand um spirituality it actually has a major positive effect on my relationships and my emotional health Mm -hmm. even my physical health right And and so there's that crossover. So if you start studying one, it benefits the others and vice versa.
1: But I think what happens for too many people is they they dive in deep to whatever it is they want to be their specialty to the neglect of all these other things. And so that's where we see, you know, in the extreme cases of people with doctorates who have crappy relationships, it's because they've sacrificed everything else for that, that academic achievement, essentially.
0: And if they would just take that the aspect, the principles and practices that brought them success in that thing, and apply those to other areas, mm-hmm. it would be so transformative. Right. If they would study relationships like they studied their their topic of choice, right, it would have a major positive effect. So, and that's the point. This is what we're trying to say here: is is you're pursuing a world class education,
1: or it, helping your children, or to helping your kids one. do
0: it. Well and I'll, I'll pause here for a second to say there's no way in the world that you're going to be as effective in helping your kids g- gain a world-class education if you are not pursuing one vigorously. Yes. You actively. have to be actively earning it right in front of them alongside of them and then they'll they'll join in and be like, "Okay, let's let's get this done." But if you dare say things like, "Well, I got my education." <laughs> They're going to look at you and be like, "Okay, well I'm I'm done then. I can't wait till I'm done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Getting mine. Don't openly or inadvertently teach a graduation from education. There's just no such thing. So back to the... Well,
1: Well, I just want to say, you know, so as we're thinking about, okay, how do we help our children on this process? How do we help ourselves? One of the things I know for me personally, I had to do was redefine that definition, which took some of the emphasis off the academics. Because I know that that's our temptation. I know that a lot of parents are wanting to focus on that. The grades are all important. The school that they get into is all important. But what we see more often than not is as a result, parents come to us with kids who are getting good grades or doing well academically, but are depressed. Or considering suicide, or don't have any friends, or being bullied, or all of these other things, that their academic pursuits have become the all important factor to the neglect of everything else, like we mentioned being before.
0: Being undereducated and underdeveloped. Yeah. Especially the, the primary one I see is just an utter lack of experience. Yes, they just well, lack experience. And experience is in itself. An education. Exactly. And an intelligence. I would
1: say they lack experience and I would say the other thing they're hugely lacking is, a, is positive habits. Yep, true. It's like <laughs> parents are telling their kids, get good grades, that's all that, that's all that matters and so as a result their kids are not sleeping they're staying up late they're getting up early they're not eating they're living on mountain dew and cheetos and the parents are like well as long as you're getting good grades that what that's what matters and that's just not true that is where too many people are failing because they're not recognizing the critical importance of positive life habits that lead to long-term success and happiness
0: well it's easy not to categorize those things as education right so if we're pursuing education Rarely, if ever, do habits
1: come Exactly. Up. And, and that's a and major fault.
0: There is an education compl- entirely around habits. Right. And that there's, well, how would you call it? Habit intelligence. Yes. Right? In fact, ooh, you guys read, read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and
1: Atomic, Atomic
0: Habits. 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 By James Clear. Just two simple books would transform your whole reality around habits. And it's those, the. Lack of education and development in habits Mm -hmm. create a very underdeveloped and uneducated being.
1: Which are essentially what's leading to depression, suicide. I mean, all of the other problems that parents and, and teens are dealing with are ultimately caused by a lack of positive habits. That is the very reason we created our Habits for a Successful Life class that's for our own teenagers and for the other teenagers that join in but i mean that was the point that was the thing we were seeing that was missing so much from the education system homeschooling included was there was no talk about positive habits which ultimately become the foundation for living a happy life
0: entire life in spite of any other education you might have
1: exactly right so that's a huge piece when you're talking about a world-class education is you have to put that in place The habits, the positive habits.
0: Man, so we've already covered so much. If you're not feeling overwhelmed right now (laughs) already, then we never said this was going to be easy. (laughs) Okay. So this this is a lifelong pursuit, and it's it is huge. So just buckle up, Buttercup. Like, I remember early on going through this journey, Rachel and I together, and we were already reading voraciously even before we met each other. And our whole our whole relationship was built on books. Um, we Our very first date, I was like, hey, what are you reading?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, let's discuss it. That's
1: the only reason I got a second date, right. actually. Because she was
0: reading a very challenging scholarly book. I was like, dang, that's sexy. <laughs> and so we were talking that, right? Talking about that. And that... That literally led to a second date, and then mm-hmm. we built our whole relationship on, on reading. And then, of course, we've, we've traveled all over the globe and, and had the experiential education. We've just been pursuing this for a long time, and I remember feeling very overwhelmed by it. And then at one point, I, I don't know what happened. I just kind of flipped the switch. and like, okay, yeah, there's a gigantic list of books and a gigantic, in fact, never ending. There's a never ending list of books and a never ending list of experiences and places to go. And, and somehow I just settled in my mind like, okay, let's just start checking off the list. Right. Let's go.
1: It's just like, okay, that's how we're going to spend the rest of our life. Yeah. We know what we're going to do now We are the rest gonna, of our yes. life.
0: <laughs> our entire moral existence will be working on our life list of experiences, places, things, acquisitions, acquirements, achievements. Like we're just going to go through and an, an Never-ending list of books, mm-hmm. and so instead of being overwhelmed by it, like, "Sweet, hey, right? what's next?" This is well, exciting. It, become- is yeah. good. It's it big, becomes big exciting
1: and and purposeful. Yeah. It's like you you have a purpose. It's
0: a noble aim. Yeah. So we have lists. Rachel created a list. I created a list. Uh, you guys can get our book lists. They're both of on our Instagram pages. So Rachel's Extraordinary Family Life. Mine's Greg.denning.
1: No, my Instagram is World School Family. Oh,
0: World School Family, <laughs> sorry. World School Family. And they're on our web pages. I mean, you can get the list, and the lists are free. So here's here's how I'd recommend as far as books go. And well we let's go with books right now. Yeah. Let's talk about books.
1: Because obviously part of a world class education includes massive amounts of exposure yep. to literature. And you, you get to be taught.
0: By some of the most brilliant men and women who have ever lived. Yes. and they lived Even if you
1: disagree with them, they're still brilliant and, you and should, have something to teach you.
0: Yes, you should read from the, the other side and the, the things you disagree yes. with. you, you got to keep reading. Okay, that was one of the things early on. I'm like, this guy's full of crapper. This chapter's garbage, and I would mm-hmm. stop reading. But no, now, because I guess early on, I ignorantly was reading things... In the pursuit of things I agreed with. Yes. I was, and I didn't know this cognitively. I was just like, Oh, I'm gonna read this if I agree with bias. it.
2: And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't
0: so I it, it was blind and I was reading for things that I wanted to believe or agree with. Mm-hmm. And, and that you supported
1: to your Yeah own worldview.
0: My own, which was obviously tiny.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so now I've moved way past that and you're like, okay, let's Let's hear what's being said, especially if it's great classics. There's no re- reason to read garbage. If it's just just trash and it's coming from ignorant places, well, it, you don't need to read it. There's too many great books in the world, more than you can read in a whole life. And controversial so don't read still garbage. <laughs> so read the great classics, right? And the great classics are the things that are predominantly timeless, and they teach um, principles. Of, again, I'm going to use the word timeless. Timeless principles and practices about humanity, about society. If, if what's being taught, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is true for human beings, whether it was you know two thousand years ago, three hundred years ago, or tomorrow, that it's a classic. It's great, and it's helping you become a better human and understand your fellow humans better. That's a great classic.
1: Now, some people have... I'm only bringing up things that have actually been, you know, addressed. People have said things to me like, well, you know, the great classics, they're just written by old white men in the patriarchy. And, okay... Perhaps there's some truth in that, but we're not, when we're talking about reading classics, we're not just talking about reading classics from Western society. You know, classics include all peoples, all cultures. You can read Eastern philosophy. You can read, you know, and you should read all of these things. We've personally read from the Bhagavad Gita and the Quran and the Tao Te Ching and, you know, all of these other books. So those are also classics that you should be reading from. Now, the other point is, though, I think it's very ignorant to say something like, "Oh, this comes from the patriarchy" without fully understanding history and if, realizing if that the reason something is a classic is not because of some patriarchal um, <laughs> power, but that actually works in society. Right. Like it, ultimately you're reading
0: something from the Greek or Roman Empire 2000 well years and that's ago. the other
1: thing too they're not white people they are a different race you know it's not um, yeah anyways there's just a lot there i'm not even gonna go there but but you have to expand your understanding to realize that you know sometimes statements like that are not accurate or and can be ignorant because you don't have enough of a broad understanding of the history of the world and how things have played out and why things become classics right So, anyways, classic, it it can be very broad, it can be very inclusive, um, but they need to be read and they need to be understood. Now, listening to audiobooks is another great way. I just like to throw that in there. You don't have to feel like you have to sit down and actually read all of these books. We do a lot of our education through audiobooks. Like yesterday, we were driving two hours back from the desert, and I was listening to Uncle Tom's Cabin, because that's the one on, we're working on a list as a family, and that's where I'm on on the list is Uncle Tom's Cabin. My kids have already listened to it. You've already listened to it. And then we discuss them together. But you know, that's part of how we're doing it. We're all listening to audiobooks on a list. So it's not just reading from physical books, although that's also awesome.
0: And I would say there's, there's power in, in doing both. So I'd, I'd actually recommend that you do both. It's interesting yeah. to me, when I first started listening to audiobooks, it was hard. It, it's actual skill. You have to develop to be able to focus and, and be able mm-hmm. to listen to a book. And then you can listen to it at faster speeds without losing comprehension. Mm-hmm. So develop the skill to listen to because audiobooks. Because then
1: you get to listen while... Our, our kids love to listen to audiobooks while they're doing their chores, while they're coloring or working on crafts or working on other projects, building things. So they're getting, so all of this is part of the key. They are getting their education while they're doing other things that they like to do. So they're actually developing their brains in multiple ways because, you know, like our daughter, she loves to color while she's listening to audiobooks or do cross-stitch. Our son loves to build or do woodworking or... Any of them, when they're wa- and anytime I ask them to wash the dishes or do anything like that, they get out their audiobook and they listen to audiobooks while they're doing those things.
0: So it, we've cultivated it just a way of being in our family of, of learning and reading and listening to audiobooks. And man, that is powerhouse. So our kids, they are just pounding great books all the time, so fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, our daughter, our son, I recommended a, a World War II book, A True Story. And he was working through it, and he was talking about it. And so our daughter's like, "I'm gonna listen to it," and she finished it before him. She just mm-hmm. pounded, it and knocked it out. And it was, and it's, it's hard. It's brutal. It's sad. And we have to get that kind of exposure. We, right. we have to listen to the fairy tale books, and we have to listen to books that are just heart wrenching, true well, stories and devastating, so that we learn the right. principles. Learn the lessons of life on both sides. So that
1: we are exposed to those things. Because I know for many parents, and we've had people say to this in the Habits for a Successful Life class because you often are reading books and discussing them as part of the whole process. Um, We've had parents say, well, I don't want my kid reading this. I don't want them reading about rape or, or this or that or the other thing, these horrible things that make me feel icky. And... Like I get that. I get where you might feel that or, or want that for your kids to protect them in that way, but honestly, when we do that, we're actually doing them a disservice. When Meaning, we try hold on. to
0: when we protect them or shelter, shelter them from them. it. Yeah.
1: When we try to shelter our children from the world and its atrocities, we're not keeping them safe, we're actually keeping them naive,
0: which is the and naive greatest
1: danger. Is yeah, being naive is more dangerous than it's not safe. Being naive is actually the worst situation you could be in. The last thing you want is for your children to be naive because that puts them in a position of danger. And we're speaking firsthand experience actually because that was kind of an approach we took with our oldest and it actually led to trouble. I'm not going to go into it because of you know the privacy of our our family but it led to problems because we had this worldview at the time That the world is a safe place and you know we're not going to expose you to the bad things of the world because we're going to believe in the goodness of the world and that actually put them in a position of naivete that led to horrible things horrible atrocities because of their own inexperience and exposure to the world so you are actually Damaging, or or putting your your kids in a position to be damaged by not helping them know about what the world is really like. Now that doesn't mean we can't. It
0: makes them easy prey.
1: It does. It makes them easy prey. That doesn't mean we don't work to make the world a better place. We should, and I believe in that. But the truth is, the reality is that the history of the world has been one of atrocities. Human beings can do horrible things to each other.
0: And they do today, every day.
1: And the best way for your kids to learn about that is through books because it's a safe way to learn about it. It's safe to learn about someone being raped in a concentration camp or you know, being in a concentration camp and and being exposed to the horrible atrocities that happen there. That's a safe way to learn. It's still sad. It's still disturbing. It's still depressing. It doesn't take away any of that But if you don't learn about it in a way like that, the worst thing is that you end up learning about it by having it happen to you. And that's way worse.
0: And in fact, this is a critical component. You have to learn about these things to try to prevent them from happening to you and your community and your society. Exactly. So it is so important that we go through the discomfort. And it's ironic.
1: And it has to be done appropriately. We're not talking about doing this with like a six year old.
0: Right, in the right time. And your, your kids have to be mature, but this actually helps them mature. And we, it's a very maturing process. We
1: actually did, if you want know, to know more about it, we did a whole podcast episode on it called Exposing Your Kids to the Dark Side.
0: Yep.
1: It goes into more detail on that. But
0: So, I mean, that that's enough for right now. Like Just get a, a big, beautiful list of books across time and space and cultures and just start reading. Get working on your list. Oh, I was going to say, so I have a paper list that I'm working on, and then I just go ahead and buy... You know, the next 10 books, or in our case, we've got hundreds.
1: Well, not currently with us in Egypt. Oh, they're not but.
0: with us here. <laughs> but we have, we have 700 audiobooks that we've purchased, and we have like 2,500 nice books.
1: Sitting in storage, in waiting storage. to move to Portugal. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and so we have plenty of books that we've read and plenty to read. So invest in your library, and if you say you can't afford it,
1: get what you pay for in your education.
0: <laughs> and I respond, you can't afford not to. And don't let that stop you. Go to the library, but also, go, you know what, here's what you need to do. If you genuinely, genuinely can't afford it, go to the library and get books on how to earn more money. Get develop and cultivate your financial intelligence so you have all the money you ever want to buy all the books you ever need.
1: I did want to say one other thing um, related to Francis Bacon. <laughs> because I know for some people, not everyone, but for some people, one of the reasons that they don't want to expose themselves or their children to ideas or experiences or whatever, fill in the blank, is because they're afraid of what that could result in. And I know specifically that this happens with a lot of um, a lot of people who are religious, you know, they're strongly religious and they're concerned that if they allow their children to be exposed to ideas outside of their religion, that it's going to result in them not believing in the religion, throwing it off and embracing something Against their their beliefs, and while I fully recognize that that is a possibility, I believe that it's actually the only way to have true strength and true faith. Yep. And so, otherwise,
0: you have a very narrow-minded, naive, faith. hollow, weak faith. Exactly, and and many people fall away from faith because. There's no foundation. There's right. no substance. It's
1: based on on, um, yeah. It's based. It's like a straw man argument. And so it's based on something that's not solid, because the questions come up and there's no answers, and so as a result they're like, oh well, it like, must not be true. Then I'm gonna go figure out something else. And so what I meant was referring to with Francis Francis Bacon is he has a quote that he says,
0: if you study. Basically, he was talking about like if you start studying philosophy, and philosophy ultimately is like is one of the most challenging things to study. And as you study, because it philosophy, makes you
1: question reality and, and you question everything? Question everything.
0: So he says, if you go, if you study philosophy halfway, you lose your faith. And if you keep going and go full circle, it brings you back to God.
1: Yeah. So you know, and we're p- paraphrasing; we don't have it exactly. But basically, you know, if you study a little bit of philosophy, it takes you away from God. But if you keep studying philosophy, it brings you back. And I think that that's what has to happen. Ultimately, if we're talking about this world-class, holistic type education, you have to be willing to ask the hard questions. You have to be willing to study the challenging, uncomfortable doctrines. You you have to be willing to go there. But the problem with too many people is, one, they avoid it. They don't go there at all. So then their faith remains weak and unfounded, or two, they go, but they go halfway. And so then they end up throwing out everything they've had, you know, everything they thought they did believe in. And, but they never complete the circle. They never keep going. They never continue with their journey. They just think, oh, well, I believed this, but now I believe this. So that one's wrong. This one's right. When in reality, they're both incomplete. Mm -hmm. They're both not whole. And so you have to continue on your journey of learning and and study and growth and faith so that you can come full circle and you can see that. I mean, the reason religion exists is not because like some people think that it's just a crutch for weak people. Religion exists because it is founded on truths that are not just religious-based. They're psychologically sound. They're philosophically sound. They're biologically sound I mean there's there's this congruence of truth that exists that religion helps to perpetuate and that's you know that's the role religions have taken is to say oh these are the things that work with humanity we're gonna build a structure around here to support these things because they're a good thing for humanity it's a positive thing if we don't kill each other it's a positive thing if we don't lie It's you know all of these things help us out ultimately in our interactions as human beings that's how that's why religions are, exist, is to help us live in harmony with those principles. But too many people believe that those principles only come from religion, so if you throw out religion, you should throw those out too, and then that just leads well, to and then misery they,
0: in they their lives. Like in Christianity, sometimes they ignorantly get thinking that the entire Bible was written by the finger of God in English. <laughs> and, and then it's just because they don't spend enough time in deep education be like, wait, no, it was, it was translated after lots and lots and lots of translations, and so much was lost, and some of it was just compiled and thrown in there, and some of it's the, the, the best guess of what was left, I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I'm not dissing the Bible, the Bible is one of the greatest books ever compiled, ever, and it should be studied again and again and again, but it's not straight from the mouth of god in english right <laughs> like and you only think that and then then when somebody hears this they're like what ah! and then they lose their faith and, and I, that's literally happened i've met people like it's like the bible is the direct word of god and then they learn the history and they're like okay it's not i'm out i have no <clears throat> faith and then they question everything you're like well you know, ignorance and naivete brought you to this problem mm-hmm. and so you keep searching keep digging Um, Okay, so keep reading, keep learning, keep listening, do all that stuff. And,
1: And the point of what all that I just said was don't avoid it just because you're afraid. Right. Because it's still, you're wanting to remain the big fish in a small pond. And while that may feel safe and comfortable, ultimately, if you want more out of life, you can't do that. You have to jump into the big pond or the ocean.
0: Which leads to kind of the second part I want to hit on is exposure, and let's call it experiential education or experiential intelligence. Uh, I know that the elements of this acronym I mentioned before that I've forgotten. It was, it was books, for sure, and, and academic learning, and, and learn as much of that as you can, but it included experiences, and in order to be more well-rounded, more complete, more whole, we have to... Combine our book learning, our academic learning, classroom learning, with experiential learning. And it's just as important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You've all met people, we've met people that maybe have a fun, they're very, very well read, but just utterly lack experience and exposure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or the opposite, people who have massive amounts of experience, but very little book learning. And and that kind of... Uh, philosophical or uh, academic learning.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: you can see either way, they're, they're just not well-rounded or well-developed. And so combining those two and others uh, makes you more capable, makes you more educated, more mm-hmm. of an asset. So along with this massive list of books, create a list of experiences you want to have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's anything from Being competent at changing a car tire to perhaps first aid, emergency response, to learning another language or multiple languages, or going to a foreign land.
1: Yeah, Or cooking
0: foreign food.
1: Yeah, or like visiting a historical place that maybe you're interested in and you actually go there and see it and touch it and, and feel the energy of it you know kind of feel the history of it like all of that is part of that experiential learning and and you really have to find a balance well i would say a balance but i what i mean is you need to kind of alternate these types of learning at least that's or combine them well combine them but sometimes it is an an um it's
0: an oscillation maybe
1: yeah i would say sometimes it's that way and i'm just specifically thinking about the past six months of our life because well, even the past year. So within the past year, first of all, we were at our home base in Georgia, and our children spent a lot of time doing academic learning. They're taking online classes, so it's at home, you know. But they're doing their online classes and they're doing their instrument practice and their language practice, and they're doing all so that. They were of
0: that. going to gymnastics club. That too. Well, the, and that includes all kinds of classes. that
1: is a type of experiential learning. Yeah. Like you know, in the local area, you're doing that. But then we left our house in Georgia. We moved out of it so we could move to Portugal. But before we get there, which is later this week, (laughs) we finally get to Portugal. The last six months, we've been traveling full time. Now, it did include academic learning because they have online classes. So we were able to take their devices with them and they were able to continue learning. But because of the nature of travel, that sometimes got neglected for the sake of experiential learning so you know we would go to we went to Ephesus which is the ancient city where Paul lived and, and wrote letters to and we went to Pamukali, which is a big place you know Cleopatra went there and it has these big calcium deposits in Turkey and we went to Viking museums in Norway and we went to Auschwitz in Poland like we've been we've traveled basically from Norway the top of Norway now we're in egypt that's where we've traveled in the past six months i think what 17 countries maybe and so we've done a lot of things and i would say specifically the last month we've been traveling very quickly and so they kind of taken a month off from the academic learning but we've been exploring caves in cappadocia and we've been um, exploring the Blue Mosque and Agia Sophia in Istanbul and of course we went to the pyramids here in Egypt and out to the desert. So there's been tons and tons and tons of experiential learning for, at the time, in exchange, you know, at, at the neglect of, you could say, the academic learning. But I know that.
0: But in this case, interestingly, just thinking about it, they have not neglected listening to audiobooks.
1: Yes, that's still part of it.
0: it's been a cool thing where I think Aaliyah, in just this year, she's already 40 or 50 books this year while we've been out traveling. So Mm -hmm. in this case, it's been a beautiful combination of lots of classic books and lots of what I would call classic experiences.
1: And so I I know that parents can be hesitant to want to do those things because they feel like, oh, well, my kids are gonna be behind, which in some ways is true. You know, if if we look just at the curriculum that they're supposed to go through, well, now they're quote unquote behind because they haven't been working on it. But this is where we have to take in the bigger picture into the entire equation and realize that you can't trade what they learn through these experiences like you it's harder to quantify it it's harder to say oh you completed that lesson and you got this score you know we can't really do that and even sometimes you know we might have a hard time or our kids might have a hard time articulating what they are learning or what they're experiencing and how that's affecting them and sometimes it doesn't happen till after when you after you have the experience like even last night when we were talking in the desert you know when you're sitting there and having these conversations and kind of reflecting on everything you've experienced and seen and done, and how that fits into the development of your brain and these neural connections you're making and this map of the world that you're filling in and, and you know making color, you can't always weigh that. But it does have significance because it helps them to have this fuller more lifelike picture of the world and what it's like you know i mean they've they've interacted with people in turkey in turkish and in norway in norwegian and in polish and now in arabic and egyptian in egypt and you're, you're noticing and picking up on the way things do... You know, the way they think do things in Norway is different than the way they do things in Egypt, you know? And you're starting to Can recognize...
0: You, Oslo to Cairo.
1: Exactly, right. <laughs> or Tromsa oh, to crumb. Cairo. Like, it's so vastly different. But to experience that and to see it firsthand, that's huge. And you you may not know or realize why that's important for your child but trust me it all is going to play out and it's all going to have a significant impact on simply simply on the way they view the world and the way they move through the world
0: and their overall development and they're building a scaffolding some of which they won't use for years to come true but ma'am when it's time to put it to use they're going to have a foundation and a framework that'll Just be priceless.
1: Well, and I love that you use that word because that's sometimes how I think about it in the brain. When I think about them, neural connections being made in their brain, if you, you know, here's your brain and if you fill it in with scaffolding, you literally have more opportunities for creating future connections. So basically you're kind of putting all these feelers out there that then can later, as they learn more things and are exposed to more things, they make these connections that are literally, I know I keep using that word, I'm (laughs) expanding the understanding that they have, expanding the capacity of their brain. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give them more scaffolding in their brain so that they have more hooks that you can plug things into or hang things on later as they continue to grow and develop. And,
0: and as you think about, like, for for you and me and, and those of you listening, like, w- when you really had to get serious about making big life choices and when did did the framework, When when did you have to really start leaning in and putting weight on the scaffolding in your head, it's... When you're in your 20s and mm-hmm. making big life decisions, uh, college and career and marriage, and you start having children and family, you're like you're really leaning in and, and having to carry the weight of adult life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I had a puny little scaffolding in there,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I had to like get serious and build it all out. And, and as I'm as I'm listening to you and thinking about our kids, they're building a scaffolding now, and. And they're not having to use it that much because they still live at home with us. We're still, you know, we're providing for them. We're not having these experiences.
1: Well, our two oldest are out now. No, they're
0: out. And you're starting to see it already apply in their lives very quickly. But the, the scaffolding that, that is being built now, it's all, it's in a sense a little bit dormant. Mm-hmm. And it'll be waiting. And I, I just know, like, all of these experiences and all of these books when they have to start putting weight on that foundation or on that scaffolding thing, you start building it out, it's going to make a massive, massive positive difference.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: such a cool thing. So it's, it's lots and lots and lots of book learning and academic learning. It's lots of experiential learning. And then it's getting mentors and coaches and tutors, bringing people in who have who've spent their lives, sometimes their entire lives, gaining a skill. Bring, bring that in and make it part of the equation. And then make sure it's, it's holistic. It's, it's well-rounded like we've talked about. Pursue an education. I, I guess this is how I, I like to think about it. Pursue an education in any and every aspect of what makes you a human being. So because I have a body, I study physiology and anatomy. Because I'm married, I study marriage. Because I have children, I study parenting. Because I have a brain, I study psychology. Because
1: And mental health. And mental health,
0: yes. Because uh, our economy works on money, I study money because economics yeah and and all the economics because i want to have a a good financial future i study investing because i want to have a long life i want to live a very long time i study longevity and health Mm -hmm. and i I don't know because i interact with others i study society and social skills because i want to be a leader and i have to leave we're all leading i study leadership because parenting is teaching And and I love teaching and speaking. I study pedagogy and teaching. You see what I'm saying? Take every aspect of what it means to you to be a human and study it. Learn about it. Master it. If it's a part of your life, make sure you understand it and know how to succeed in that thing. Mm -hmm. Most of us are going along with kind of a fingers crossed philosophy and it doesn't work.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: If you're relying on good luck and hope, I mean, hope is not a strategy. So well, world class education is understanding everything of what it means to be human.
1: Right. And or what many parents are doing and they did themselves because that's just how we're raised in the system is that they're they're putting all of their bas- they're putting all of their eggs into the basket of academics. And we're thinking and handing it
0: to the government schools.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Saying, hey, all this and- works
1: we're thinking and hoping because we've been told that that will solve our problems that if we get good grades and we go to college and you know all of this we follow that formula that that's gonna solve our all of our problems we'll be able to make money we'll be able to have happy will be happy and have great relationships because we got good grades and that's just not true
0: That was a marketing scheme it, <laughs> by very profitable businesses called colleges I
1: think so But the reality is, if we don't study these other things, we're not going to be good at them. It's not going to just follow that all of that stuff works out in our lives because we got good academic grades.
0: Which was really pointed out so effectively in the book called The Millionaire Mind by Thomas Stanley. He's a professor at the university. He did all this research and he found zero correlation, excuse me, (coughs) zero correlation between... Good grades and any other form of success or happiness in life. Right. None. So the (laughs) only place where academic performance uh, applied was if somebody wanted to continue a pursuit pursue a career in education.
2: Right.
1: (laughs) That was the only place. So I think if there's one major piece of advice here or takeaway for me, it would be don't neglect these other areas because of the academic pursuits. And and
0: don't neglect academic pursuits because of those other areas.
1: True, but I feel that where too many people or too many parents err is with that. I think too many people put emphasis on the academic pursuits at the expense of these other things. Of experiential learning, of habit development, of, you know, whatever else. Like, we have to remember that we need to keep it in, um, I don't even want to say balance because I feel that that's...
0: It's not accurate either. It's
1: not accurate. We have we have to give it equal emphasis and equal but time and energy.
0: Throw it in the scales of life. Uh, maybe your kid's really struggling with their pre-calculus or calculus in high school, and and you're putting all that emphasis, and all that work, and they they're just spending hours and hours and hours working on that. And like. Throw that in the, the scale of their social skills and their...
1: Well, their personal habits. Like, or habits. can they manage their own time? Can they go to bed and get up and, like,
0: groom themselves? <laughs> and their mental health and their physical health and their understanding of, of history and the world. Like, start weighing those things out. The vast majority of people will never use calculus again now i'm not saying it's irrelevant and shouldn't be studied it's a good exercise of the mind and sometimes some things are good just because they're hard and they force your mind to to chew on things and work on things but be careful how much energy effort resources emphasis you put on something that in the general aspect of a life and being a successful happy human being has little or no place we, we, we get very misdirected in that, mm-hmm. and we need to have deep intelligence in other aspects of life, where that those are really the determining factors of happiness and success and a joyful existence.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think about it in relationship with our own children. We've homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, basically, um, which has also included. A lo- Included a lot of travel. I've now been to fifty countries. You're fifty-two or something. Our seventeen-year-old.
0: Every every episode you mention that you mention a different number. I'm so proud. (laughs) No, I get a different number every time. I well, it changes
1: too. We're at a new country, so that's why I can't keep track. I'm like, I don't know what am I at. Um, but our seventeen-year-old has been to I think forty something. I don't know. Point being is that throughout our very unique educational journey, there's been different things that have been learned along with the academics, right? We're we're including all of the experiential learning. We are including a lot of the habit learning, right? Like we've, I know that we've been very deliberate about helping our children to develop positive habits that will help them over a lifetime. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that none of our children have officially graduated from high school. That wasn't something that we see we saw as necessary. If they need it when they go to college, we will finalize that process and do what we need to to make that happen, but currently in their journey, they've t- they've they're pursuing things that don't require that at this point. And but I know that, you know, especially it's May right now, on Instagram, I see a lot of the graduation, you know, kids are graduating from school and all of that's great. And I, you know, I don't discount that that's important. And it's great to recognize achievement and all of that. But as I've thought about it with myself, and and I don't feel that this is something I'm I'm trying to justify. I'm I'm not, (laughs) I'm just thought through it. Like I love to analyze it and think about it. Like why, why do, why do we have the approach we're taking? And why, you know, why are we not as worried about, not as concerned about having a graduation for our kids. And I think one of the reasons is this viewpoint we have, of course, that there's never a graduation from education. Yeah, you can graduate from a stage. You can graduate from the high school level of education, and that's great. But the learning goes on, right? It's going to continue even after college or whatever you want to call it. It's going to continue learning. It's a lifelong journey. And then the other part of it, I think, is that most graduations are just that. You're graduating from the completion of an academic curriculum. And while that's great, it's not the only or the most important thing necessarily.
0: Yeah, it says, it proves almost nothing.
1: Well, right. I mean, it proves that you did that those requirements. Well, you check
0: the boxes. Yeah, but, I you mean, check those boxes. Even even in those boxes, it's hilarious. People are graduating There's who a, a, are functionally illiterate.
1: Right. There's a, a wide range of what that actually means or what that actually represents. You know. But as I think about it, with our own children I get here, so <laughs> fired up
0: because all it sends is sends this gigantic message that you're done, which is so dumb.
1: It, can send that, yeah. I can send and now what's
0: even worse is they're graduating from every grade. They're, they're throwing third grade <laughs> graduations and kindergarten graduations and eighth grade graduations. I'm like, this is absurd. Which, it's so stupid.
1: But, I mean, no, I, I do believe that it's important to celebrate those things. Because even with our own kids, when they complete, you know, like just two days ago, our daughter, who's nine... She completed her social studies class. We, I celebrated with her. You know, I was like, yay, fantastic. wonderful, totally fantastic. Different right, it wasn't graduation. like a big graduation, but she had completed that class. She graduated from that class, and that's another thing. All of our children, and this is, I think, more natural to real life, they're at different levels with every subject. So some of them might be in fourth grade for social studies, but second grade for math, or vice versa. You know, they're they're at varying levels, and we allow them to progress at their level, and you know, she wanted to complete social studies, so she did that. But while she's still working on math and language arts, and so we have celebrations along the way. We're recognizing those achievements and the, the completion of something. But then you move on to the next one, and so kind of what I'm saying is that while we don't have this, and we were talking about it with, I was kind of talking about it with my teenagers who are 17 and 16 that are currently traveling with us. Our 19 year old and our 20 year old are out. They're working, they're serving missions. And, you know, they're they're out living life. But with them, they were kind of joking about, "Hey mom, just take my photo. This will be my graduation photo, right? Right now, while we were sitting in front of the pyramids having lunch, you know. And I was like, "Okay, cool. We'll take your photo. Here's your graduation photo." But we don't we don't when I say we, I'm talking about us personally don't have an official formal graduation because i feel that there's always more to be learned like even even if you had completed all of the coursework for a certain level well it's not done you move on and there's another thing and besides the fact that like i was saying the graduation is emphasizing the academic completion of something of a curriculum as opposed to Everything else that can be learned. The habit development. The experience to geography and culture and religion and humanity. Like, none of that really has a place in a lot of school systems. And so, I feel like we're just putting emphasis on the... Not not the wrong thing, because it's not that it's wrong, but it's the incomplete thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's It's not whole. And so... I don't know. I'm just analyzing this myself. Like when I'm thinking about, okay, well, my kids, we're not doing a graduation for my kids, and they haven't completed all of the academic subjects, but they have also, along with that, what they have completed, they've done all of these other things that don't really have a box to check off, right? There's no box for traveling to 40 countries, or there's no box for having amazing personal habits where you get yourself up and you do your own morning routine and you, you can, you know, you can be in charge of your day as a 16 year old or a 17 year old, like you're in charge of your day and you're in charge of your education and you take that personal initiative. We don't, we don't have a graduation for
0: Nor that. Nor is there ever a graduation from any of those things. Which right. Which I think is my, my point.
1: Well, that too, because that becomes a lifelong process that you do forever and so this part of it is just this philosophy of like, where's the education system failing? This is where I think it's failing. We're not including these aspects that I feel in many ways are more important, but we don't have a way to recognize those or celebrate them, which is something I'm constantly working on personally in our own life. Is like, how do I recognize this? How do I celebrate these, these amazing good things? You know, even if there's not this official High school graduation from your academic subjects. How do I celebrate all of the other good things that you're doing and that you've ach- that you have achieved?
0: Well, and you're still doing that very thing now with all the women and the moms in your your 28-day challenge group, which is phenomenal. Right. Because it's it's putting a list now and checking like. What are the habits? Mm-hmm. What are the practices? What are the things I need to be doing and make sure they get doing so I'm progressing? And then there's levels built into it. Yeah. And I'm doing that with the men in my master class too. Right. We have badges. Mm-hmm. Of the, we have the warrior badge, the philosopher badge, and the king badge. Mm-hmm. And they are hard to earn. Right. And, and you're tracking all of these things. You're progressing and celebrating along the way. Just making sure like all of the elements of a whole life... Mm-hmm. are are happening exactly. on a regular basis. So we're living life as superb human beings.
1: Right. Holistic, well-rounded, instead of just you did your academic subjects and you graduated, good job. Right. Because that's not the only thing that matters. And you go into life just
0: struggle and suffer and feel stuck right. and trapped. and Exactly. Like, why, why does my life suck?
1: And I, re- I remember specifically thinking this because our, our 19-year-old son, he moved out... Maybe it was three or four months ago now. We had been, he'd been traveling with us. We'd gone through 15 countries in Europe or something. And then we were, we were in Austria and he had just, he'd already planned that he was going to move on at that time. He was going to go back and do some work in the stunt industry in Atlanta. So he moved out. And I remember thinking at the time, because it's normal to go through this and think, oh gosh, well, he, you know, we've been traveling. He didn't actually officially finish his high school curriculum. He didn't actually officially graduate. Have I failed as a mother? You know, I mean, you, you, you do this as a mom, you ask these questions. But then we went out to dinner with him. We took him out to dinner, like kind of a farewell dinner before he took his flight to, he was gonna fly to Istanbul and then back to Atlanta by himself. And we had this conversation with him that literally I was in tears. <laughs> As we sat there, it was mostly him talking, actually, and we were listening, and I was crying because here was this kid who was, I think he was 18 at the time, it was before he turned 19, or he just turned 19, I don't remember, but um, here was this kid, and he was articulating things and talking about concepts and ideas and all of the things he'd learned and all of the books he'd read recently, like I think he'd read 40 books at that point for the year, and and just on and on, and sharing these complex, mature ideas that I thought, you know what? <laughs> there's more to life than just the academics. And while there may be gaps, there's gaps in my own education. There's gaps in everyone's education, I think, with academic subjects. And, but, but there's too many people have gaps in more of the things that are more important because our current system, focuses, including homeschooling, focus so much on the academic side of things. And while, again, we're not throwing that out, we're not trying to say that that's not important, as I sat there, I thought, you know what, I'm fine with some of the gaps in the academic learning because he's learned these other things, because of the character he has, you know, and the competencies he has in other areas that makes me think, okay, it's, it's not just about that one thing. That's, it's the whole picture.
0: That's a really great perspective as, as though all of you are thinking about your own world-class education and world-class education for your kids. Kind of list out the, the intelligences, the types of education there are, and see which one you, if you had to choose one to lag, or if you had to choose one to have more gaps, which one would it be? Mm-hmm. And as you think through that, you'll know where to put emphasis. Yeah. Like, for me, I definitely would not want any gaps in physical health and mental, emotional health or spiritual health.
1: And if you have to... Sorry, go ahead.
0: Those are... Again, academic is so important to us. The, The reading, great books, so incredibly important to us. But if I had to order them and put them in a list of, of priorities, actually academic would come below those. Mm-hmm. And so I'm willing to give more emphasis, energy, effort to emotional intelligence and mental health intelligence and physical health intelligence and spiritual intelligence and education to academic, so, so if there's some gaps in academic because we're focused on the others, those gaps can be filled along the way. But if there's gaps in mental, emotional health or spiritual health because of academics, those gaps can be filled later, but man, they have unbelievable consequences sometimes that ir- are irreparable.
1: Right. Exactly. And have a carryover, spillover effect into every other part of your life, so that it's negatively impacting every other part of your life. And that was the one of the things I remember our son saying when we were sitting there, because you know I mentioned to him, I'm like, oh, you know, you haven't graduated from high school, and he said something like. But I've learned the skills of like how to learn. So if I need to, say, take chemistry or physics, I can do that. I could easily complete the course in a few weeks or a couple months if I have to because I know how to learn. I've learned, learned how, how to learn. learn. Yeah. And so I think that's the part that's even more important is if we can teach our children how to learn and to have the habits to sustain that, right, so that they have the responsibility and the independence to be able to learn what they need to learn then if they ever need the academic subject that's missing or there's a gap there they have the skills to be able to do that I and then it's that. like okay i just go and do that
0: so one of the most important piece of education is learning how to get an education
1: right so exactly
0: you teach them that and then you've empowered them for the rest of their lives right another thing you think through is i'm listening to you talk about this, I'm, you guys were just kind of philosophizing here and tossing out ideas, just wrap our heads around this, is think through each of the intelligences and see which ones are pervasive, which ones have a greater effect on the other aspects of our life. It's something you said there, like, mm-hmm. well, will this make a difference? And you can do that with academic subjects, right? You could take something like geography, which is incredibly important, but how pervasive is it? in the everyday and every week life of, of an adult. And well, in
1: in our life, it's pretty important. <laughs> but even, even then... I, I'm joking about it, but, you know, it's kind of funny. Right. And, in fact, our kids actually have a pretty good understanding of worldwide geography because of our travel life. But, no, I know what the point you're making. Even
0: so. then, if you're like... They don't know the capitals of this or wherever that is, and they don't know, you know, well, that, is that north Where's of the us or west of, of, like, of? Like, where is this Vanuatu? Even if they don't know that, we can still show up and and have experiences with people in places like and be safe and, and happy, and and have a great human experience and and have great relationships. But even if you,
1: their geography, yeah, is lacking. yeah, I mean, geography is right? lacking.
0: But you take something like. Um, I keep using mental health because that one's so prevalent right now. But you take... Okay, physical health. Let's say you don't understand the body. You don't understand how food affects your body or your brain. You don't understand how sleep is just wrecking everything.
1: A lack Uh, of sleep.
0: So... Let's say if you, if you had to choose, I'm, bringing, I'm breaking it down in very simple comparisons so we know how to prioritize our lives. If you took understanding your body and, and health education, like really truly understanding your health and how your body functions and how to be optimized and how pervasive that is in every single aspect of your life. I don't, I don't think there's any part of your life that's not affected by your physical condition because your body is your vehicle for mm-hmm. everything you do. Where your understanding of geography Eh, all right, it's, it, it's important. It's extremely important. But it's not going to be near as pervasive as your understanding of how your body works.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so if you got to neglect one, man, I know which one I would choose to neglect. Right. It's going to be, okay, well, we'll fill in geography later. But you absolutely must understand how your body recovers at night while you're sleeping and how this food affects your body and, and all those pieces because it literally is affecting everything else you do.
1: And as I think through the educational journey of our children I know that consciously and unconsciously we've always defaulted to those basic principles that if the academic pursuits were causing neglect in personal habits well we pulled back on the academics to say hey you've got to work on this thing like you need to get better sleep. You need to be exercising and taking care of your body. You need to be eating better food. Let's focus in on that. Let's reemphasize those things so that at the very least, when you move out, you understand the, the importance of these things, even if you don't complete your math class, right? Like, let's use that. We've always defaulted to that because ultimately, in the long run, Having developed those positive habits in all of those important areas of life is going to be the thing that sustains them when they move out. When they get out on their own, whether they've graduated from math or science or not, if they have those personal habits, that's going to make the biggest difference in their life. Yes,
0: and you and I, we have the privilege of working with people every single day and helping people with their challenges and their struggles and their problems. And when you go out, and, and, and again, we've traveled across dozens of countries and five continents and f- thousands and thousands of people over, you know, coming up on two decades, we get to see the things people struggle with. And they tell us the, the, really, the behind the scenes, what really hurts, what's not working, where are the struggles. It's never an <laughs> academic subject, ever. <laughs> Right. So all of the suffering in humanity that we've come across and, and all the troubles, all the problems, they, they never come back to like, oh, dude, you have some gaps in your algebra, bro. <laughs> now right? that's... Or, But you say, oh, I want to yes. emphasize this point. It's always some deficiency in their education. And again, we're calling it education, your relationship education your mindset education, emotional education, spiritual education, financial education. You're missing those other pieces. Mm -hmm. That's what's causing human suffering and struggle and sorrow and why people are stuck and and marriages are struggling. Families are falling apart. People are experiencing horrendous health issues. It's not because some gap in their academic learning.
1: Now, that being said... That does not discount the vital importance of having a basic education. Absolutely. Because that is one positive thing that public education has done. It has yes. universalized reading and writing and arithmetic. But
0: what if it was, yes, but what if, I'm just again philosophizing, what if that basic global education had more emphasis on habits and health? And relationships, yeah. And well, that would health. be the
1: next level. That's the that's the dream. That's the
0: next level. Awesome, and it doesn't have to neglect any of the academic learning. Right,
1: but it, you know, that that does play play a huge role. That when people have a basic education, it does help them to improve their absolutely. lives, and you know. But we're and talking about the you, lowest you levels of a, society. You take a developing
0: country that's just absolutely struggling, and impoverished. The most important thing you could teach them mm-hmm. is health and finances. I teach him mm. how which,
1: money works. Which includes, of course, reading and writing yep. and math. Yep. So, awesome. so it plays a role, but ultimately, at least where we are currently in society, it's insufficient on its own. Just reading and writing and arithmetic and then algebra and calculus and you know, physics and biology, just doing well in those subjects is not enough to help us actually thrive as human beings. And so as we think about our own families, ourselves, and getting a world-class education, we have to include all of these important and crucial aspects. Sometimes, maybe, to the neglect of academic subjects, so that we have the tools to actually thrive as human beings first and foremost. And then if we have the skills to actually learn, we learn how to learn, Then anything we do need to learn, at any stage in our journey, we can learn. Like, you know, I never did great in trigonometry. (laughs) I failed it. I
2: love trigonometry.
1: If I have to, though, if I ever needed to use trigonometry, I have the ability to learn things, and I could go and learn trigonometry, even as a 40, how old am I, 3-year-old woman. I could do that. Because I have the confidence, I have the ability to learn And the belief in myself, and that's what matters most. And that's what we want for our kids. We want them to have this confidence in the world that any subject they need to learn, they can learn. And they have the skills and ability to do it.
2: Love it.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, make space in your life for it. Read a little bit in the morning. Read in the evening before bed. Fit in audio books and magic moments. always have a book with you or something to write with. A little time here in the car while you're waiting at this place or that place. Instead of scrolling on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. There's, you have plenty of little gaps in your day. Easily. Easily. Well, or have, you... You know, okay, 15 minutes a day is 97 hours in a year. Right? I know, I guarantee there's little 15 minutes here and there. So that's 97 except, hours of academic work. Except that
1: nowadays up. people are filling those gaps with scrolling on their phones. That's what I'm That's what about. happens... right. By default, we're now just picking up our phones and we're checking our Instagram or Facebook. Which is not
0: expanding our overall education.
1: Right, it's keeping us in that small container. So we have to start recognizing some of those things. And with our children, we need to have more controls in place to reduce that amount of time on a screen so that it's filled with boredom, (laughs) which which then leads to seeking out Learning experiences.
0: So, the vast majority of you have 90 minutes in your day that's getting wasted or just misused. And 90 minutes a day is 66 eight hour days in a year. Let that sink in. 66 eight hour days. How much education could you get in and squeeze in? And it would be 90 minutes. And it's not a straight 90 minutes, it's segments. But if you're intentional, you can use those pieces to piece together. a world-class education and keep working on it for you and for your family so thanks you guys thanks for being here thanks for listening you're awesome let's get after it and keep earning for the rest of our lives a world-class education love you guys